When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna, and alongside me, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, it's uh, it's it's the time of year we've all been waiting for. Uh, we officially have playoff hockey to talk about. How have you been since last week's episode, and how are you feeling after the the Penguins' incredible Game 1 victory over the New York Rangers? If you're if you say anything other than you're feeling you're not feeling good, if you say you're not feeling good after that game, let me tell you you you're lying to yourself and to everybody else. But and man, alive, what it just you love playoff hockey. You just certainly hope that uh, you, it's just much easier to enjoy uh, when your team's not the one sucking at three overtime. Uh, contests uh, especially of all the first game like we just kind of just started right out of the gate no time to settle in it's just boom here's a three overtime game to get your run started penguin so i mean what a game and we'll go a little more in depth here in a little bit but what a way to start the playoffs now did i have to ask did you watch the the entire game from beginning to end did you did you tap out and say i'll check my phone when i wake up in the morning or um, did you did you stick by them? And because I remember the, the game ended uh, at around midnight Eastern time, uh, where you and I both live. Did you did you watch the whole game? I, it sucked for me because I ended up watching the whole game, and the very next morning I had to be up at at five thirty for for some on the job training. So didn't get a lot of sleep that night after the after they they won. But what about you? Did you did, did you end up watching the whole thing? Well, I had to finish Penn's points with the game recap. Oh, that's so right. I had I did stay up for the whole game. Um, I didn't feel great the next morning, but hey, um, yeah, I had I kind of was uh, I didn't really have much of a choice. I could have just been like, hey, this game went late. Catch the recap on the site. But I stuck through it and uh, made it through to the end, even if it uh, wasn't the best next morning when I had to get up to go to work. Well, I, I guess. Those are the sacrifices we make uh, during the spring months when when playoff hockey is here. So let's get into it. We, this is the, the the big game that we'd all been looking forward to. This is the only game right now to talk about. We'll have more action to bring you during next week's episode, obviously. But with this being the only game to talk about, what a, what a first game, like you said, Robbie. What. What a first game to start the playoffs for, for both of these teams. The Pittsburgh Penguins beat the New York Rangers by a score of 4-3 to three in triple overtime. Uh, I can't, still can't believe I'm saying those words. These statistics that I'm about to read off are coming straight from the NHL's website. The Pittsburgh Penguins had 83 shots on goal to the Rangers' 68 shots on goal. 
Penguins go one for four on the power play. The Rangers go one for one. Uh, Pittsburgh has 33 hits to the Rangers, 43. Pittsburgh had 45 giveaways to the Rangers, 75. Uh, let's talk about the scoring summary here. Really, Robbie, the first 20 minutes for the Penguins, the first period was just dreadful. Uh, really not the start you could have uh, envisioned for the Penguins. However, if you're the Rangers on the flip side for not having playoff hockey in Madison Square Garden for uh, for five years, I remember hearing on the broadcast, it had been five years since they've had a, a home playoff game in the Garden. That place was rocking. Adam Fox gets the Rangers out on the board at the 9-19 mark of the first period on the power play. New York goes up one to nothing into the second period. Now Andrew Kopp doubles the lead for the Rangers. It's two to nothing, right at the 3:08 mark of the second period. You're starting to think, well, this is not the start we wanted for the Penguins. All hope appears to be lost because they're going against a probable Vesna Trophy winner and Igor Shosturkin. However, Jake Gensel. One of the the MVPs of this regular season says, no, 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 not so fast, my friend. He gets his first goal of the playoffs at the 432 mark of the second period. It's New York one, New York 2, Pittsburgh 1. But Jake Gensel would not be denied because minutes later he would get his second goal to tie the game up at 2 at the 1147 mark of the second period. Chris Kreider, however, would answer back and get a shorthanded goal for the Rangers. A, another big deflating point for the Penguins in this game. Chris Kreider, uh, I believe, had 50-plus goals throughout the regular season. He uh, continues to continues to dominate and continues to be a source of offense for the New York Rangers. It's New York 3, Pittsburgh 2 at the 1707 mark of the second period. However, Brian Rust would, on the power play, find another equalizer for the Penguins at the 1830 mark of the second period. Pittsburgh 3, New York 3 heading into the third period. However, after Brian Rust's tally at the 18:30 mark of the second period, there would be no goals in the third period. There would be no goals in the overtime period. There would be no goals in the second overtime period. But at the 5:58 mark of the triple overtime, Evgeny Malkin, who's had an up and down season, you know, he has to be motivated along with Crosby and Malkin. This could be their last ride as the big three-headed monster here in Pittsburgh. He gets what I believe is uh, on record as a deflection goal in front of the net. The puck goes past Shesterkin. Pittsburgh wins 4-3 to three in overtime. Robbie, I haven't even mentioned the fact that Casey DeSmith started this game. He makes 48 saves on 51 shots. However, he leaves the game. Louis Domingue comes in in triple overtime. Stonewalls the Rangers. 17 saves on 17 shots. He plays 16 minutes and 40 seconds after Casey DeSmith logs 89 minutes of game action. Yes, the Penguins have to go to their backup, and, and Louis Domingue, he comes in. He's become an internet sensation after this game, and I'm sure we'll talk about the spicy pork and broccoli in the uh, mailbag segment. Uh, Igor Shesterkin with a 9.52 save percentage, 79 saves on 83 shots. Both of these goaltenders, all three of these goaltenders were superb. We knew that the Rangers and Shesterkin would be a difficult test for the Penguins, with the Penguins not scoring on Shesterkin very frequently during the regular season. This game had everything. It was an instant classic that will go down in, in Penguins history for all of the right and some of the wrong reasons. But holy smokes, Robbie, catch your breath uh, and and just let's let's talk about it. What what are your thoughts? What do you make of this this crazy crazy game with so many twists and turns? And like you said, this is only game one. This is only game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs for both of these teams. Game one of this series. What do you make of game number one between the Penguins and Rangers? <laughs> It was uh, definitely a hockey game, that's for sure. And you read some of the stats there about how crazy this game was between uh, the goalie, the Penguins' uh, unplanned goalie change in overtime, uh, Jake Gensel uh, doing what he does best. Um, after that first line struggled last year, that line of Crosby, Gensel, Russ really struggled against the Islanders last year in the playoffs. Uh, Gensel gets two, Russ gets one, uh, Crosby playing out of his mind. That first line 
it felt like they were getting a scoring chance every time they were on the ice. They won it. They almost won it a couple times in overtime. Uh, Brian Russ hit the crossbar. Um, not long before Evgeny Malkin won it, you had Casey Smith, who played, I mean, overall played a pretty good game, and things were looking really good for him. And then he goes down to an injury, and here comes Louis Domingue, who, I mean, and he mentioned in a, in a post-game uh, interview that he thought the refs, because of where they sit, uh, the goalie, the spare goalies have to sit during the game because the benches um, are too small, that he was kind of by himself, and he thought the refs were joking uh, when they came over and told him that he had to get suited up to go in the game. And he comes in, he pitches a shutout himself. Uh, Shesterkin did pretty much what we expected. Uh, the Penguins got three past him, which, I mean, that's a uh, that's not <laughs> that's a that's not a, an easy thing to do as he's proved this year um, as the likely Vesna winner. Uh, just overall, I mean, a really good – after that first 20 minutes, the Penguins played a really good hockey game, and they – really, they deserve to win that game uh, in the end. If you look at all the metrics, uh, they were the better team after about that first 20 minutes. Uh, obviously, the mistake on uh, the Kreider shorthanded goal, it was just uh, – Crosby won that draw, and it just kind of uh, fell apart from there, and uh, Kreider was able to get a mini breakaway – and. And score, and I do have to correct you on one thing, Garrett. There were there were no legal goals scored in the third period of the game. Uh, That's you had right. you had uh, the goal by Heedle uh, with only a couple minutes left that was overturned because of uh, goaltender interference, a call that most people thought could go one way or the other, and it went in the Penguins' favor. But I mean, that was that. I mean, that felt like it was barely halfway through this hockey game uh, because they played almost an entire another hockey game uh, after that. And I mean, so they're, ga- they're basically on game three tonight. Uh, 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 fatigue wise and time wise. I mean, Crystal Tang was out there playing 45, 50 minutes, whatever he, whatever his final number was. John Marino played a good game. The Penguins played a really good hockey game. Yeah. Some mistakes here or there. You knew that the, the beginning of the game was going to be a madhouse um, in, in MSG. And it was, and they, didn't quite um, survive that early pressure with New York going up quick. But the Penguins, I mean, going down two goals against a guy like Shesterkin is not easy. And against a team like the Rangers that can lock it down and have some size, the Penguins kept fighting. And the Rangers made mistakes of their own, and the Penguins uh, took advantage of them. And then in overtime, John Marino, at, in the in that point of the game, anything on net is a good is a good decision. And it found the sick of Andy Malkin. And he deflected it um, over Shesterkin's shoulders. Shesterkin never had a chance. And that's how you're going to have to beat him. You're going to have to get deflections. You're going to have to have uh, good timing, perfect shots. And if you look at the uh, what the Penguins did uh, on on Tuesday night, you had the first Gensel goal was a bang-bang play from Crosby to Gensel. Uh, Gensel was left alone all in front. That's going to be a tough save for Shesterkin every time. The second one, perfectly placed shot. As good as a goalie can be perfect, and you just got to give credit to the shooter in that situation. The Russ goal, again, a five-on-three. Shesterkin can cover a lot of ground, but, man, when you put a guy like Brian Russ on the doorstep, Shesterkin had to account for Evgeny Malkin, which you can't blame him for that. Um, you got to trust your defense to stop that pass from getting it across, and they didn't. Russ tapped it in, and then the overtime goal, again, nothing Shesterkin can do on a deflection that close in front. You can't react that quick, and it gets over his shoulder, and – uh, the Penguins celebrate, and I think that um, it takes obviously takes a lot of pressure off game two because you have – if you can just get one on the road, theoretically, the Penguins don't have to win another game in Madison Square Garden this series. If they can protect home ice from here on out, th- then they're sitting pretty. But, again, obviously, um, the opportunity there is there on uh, is there tonight to take a two-games-to-none lead on the road – uh, and really put the Rangers back against the wall, heading uh, back to Pittsburgh over the weekend. So I, I definitely think people will feel a little bit better um, than having to win tonight's game to avoid a two-zero hole. Knowing the worst, uh, the worst you can go back to Pittsburgh is a one-one series tie and home ice advantage back on your side. And, and a game like that, winning that game when you two teams battling like that, um, winning a game like that on the road can be really deflating for 
a team like the Rangers. Not that um, it's it's going to take all the wind out of their sails, but when you fight that hard uh, and end up losing, that can be it can be kind of a kick in the groin. So um, you, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond in Game Two, um, and if the Penguins go up two games to none on the road, it, it's going to be a tough haul for the Rangers in there. They'd have to win four out of five um, with three of those games on the road. So overall. I think even if the Penguins go back to Pittsburgh with a one-one series tie, they drop Game Two. You have to like, uh, you have to like what uh, the situation they're in. Obviously, we can talk about uh, Louis Domingue, who is going to be the Penguins starter at least for Game Two. Um, what a story that was in Game One! But hey, he's the guy now, um, and we'll hope that. I mean, it's just it's bizarre what's happening with these injuries. You had R- Ricard Raquel. He was out tonight as well. Hopefully Jason Zucker can play. He's a game-time decision. Uh, Raquel, it would be really unfortunate that uh, they bring him in for a playoff run and that he plays half a period and a high hit um, that was deemed legal or and not um, uh, misconduct-worthy, that um, he can't be more of a factor because he was playing so well uh, before that. And, yeah, that's unfortunate. But, hey, hopefully Zucker comes back and can kind of uh, fill in there a little bit for uh, uh, for uh, Raquel and Domingue. You just got to, I mean, he's been through this. He's been um, in the NHL. He's a pro. He knows, and he kind of said that as well. Um, you, you just got to be ready. And, again, maybe I'm sure the Rangers spent most of yesterday going over tape, trying to find anything uh, on Domingue. But, I mean, Domingue, he's going to have a full two days. He's probably known since – I'd say probably Tuesday night um, that he was going to be the guy here uh, in in game two at the very least. And, hey, you just got to play with the cards you're dealt and the Penguins were dealt that hand. And they played it perfectly on on Monday or on Tuesday night. And we just have to hope that uh, they can keep doing that as this series goes along. Yeah, Robbie, it, it's the best case scenario for the Penguins. The hope was going into the series that you had to split at least split in Madison Square Garden to to start the st- start the series, going back to Pittsburgh down a, a 2-0, 2 hole to the Rangers would have been catastrophic. And to be honest with you, I don't know if the Penguins would have been able to dig out of that hole. But like you said, the Penguins, if they take care of business properly, they don't have to win again. Uh, to finish out the series, they don't have to win again in in New York in Madison Square Garden. Which, um, you know, the that's that's a testament to the resolve and the determination of this team. Uh, I think looking at the, the the opening period, Adam Fox getting the first goal on the power play, and Andrew Kopp, a deadline acquisition by the Rangers. Um, I, I saw someone mention it on social media. I, I'm, I apologize, I can't remember who it was. Um, but I kept thinking about it, and it made perfect sense as the game went along. After that first 20 minutes. Uh, the Rangers obviously looked like they were going to walk away with this game and potentially the series, but it also looked like a very young, inexperienced team that looked like they were going to finish this, and the hockey game was only 20 minutes long. They were riding high on momentum. The Penguins, obviously the much more experienced team with a a, a ton more postseason experience, Obviously, they're a slower team than the Rangers. They're they're not the same Penguins they were in 2015 and 2016. They're six years older now. Their, their legs aren't as fresh as they used to be. But like you said, the metrics pointed in the Penguins' favor as the game progressed, and they were rightfully rewarded with uh, getting the victory here. I am curious, Robbie, to get your thoughts looking at this game. The Penguins put four goals past past uh, Igor Shosturkin uh, on 83 shots, which is obviously crazy to say out loud, but it's still four goals, and they scored three of their four goals in the second period. Uh, if memory serves, the Penguins only scored four goals against Shosturkin throughout the entirety of their regular season series with the Rangers, so scoring four goals here in game one has to be at the very least, has to be a confidence booster, knowing that 
yes, this guy is probably going to win the Vesna Trophy. He is as advertised, uh, just based on the statistics that he put up in, in game number one. I mean, he finished with a 952 save percentage. Like I said, 79 saves on 83 shots, playing 100, almost 106 minutes of ice time. He is as advertised, and he looks like he's in the zone, and the Rangers can definitely win, and he can definitely steal games. But how much of a confidence booster do you think it is for this Penguins team to know that they might have the they, they might have a strategy to follow through on to try and, and beat Igor Shosturkin? I think it's significant because they could go out. I mean, they could easily go out in game two and he, throw 50 shots on goal and he stops 49 of them. Uh, and that's just, I mean, he's that good. I mean, he's going to get his saves. He's probably, he might at some point need to steal a game for the Rangers. And he almost stole a game on, on on Tuesday night uh, with his performance pretty much after that second period. So I think overall, I, I mean, it, it's absolutely a confidence boost. Now that confidence boost means the Penguins believe they can score, but Igor Shosturkin isn't going to just, he, I don't think he lost any confidence after, um, after that game. If not, he even got more confident because uh, that is a test of a goaltender as well, because you're tired you're facing 83 shots. I mean, the most he probably faced in the regular season was maybe 50 at the most. Um, and I understand that it's an overtime game. You're logically going to get more shots on goal. But, uh, I mean, he posted a nine. He posted a better save percentage than he, in this game than he did in the entire regular season. Um, but four goals against a guy like him, you take that to the bank uh, every day of the week. Even if the Penguins would have lost that game 4-3, uh, they know that they can score against them. Um, and I'm sure that he looks at those goals as, Hey, they, they beat me, but they had to be perfect to do it. Um, I explained it. I talked about it in the little recap there, how they scored their goals. There was no, it was a perfect shot by Gensel, two tap-ins from Gensel and Rust, and then a deflection by Malkin. I mean, it's going to be really tough to score goals without traffic in front, without getting deflection or without the perfect pass against him, because that's, it's just how good he is. He's not going to necessarily let in a softie you, you didn't hear much about Shesterkin this year letting in goals that kind of made you shake your head I'm sure he let in some because that's the law of averages man he did let in some he should have had but I mean, this time of year you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do to score and the Penguins did that and uh, hey that's credit to the Penguins uh, as well as just Shesterkin that the Penguins had to be perfect uh, to beat him uh, because he's that good and they uh, they came through on on Tuesday night, so I think it's a confidence boost definitely for the Penguins, knowing that um, they can execute, they can score goals. Uh, but again, at, at the same time, Shesterkin could easily come out um, any night and stop, throw a shutout, or give up a goal or two. And if they're if he's out there just giving up a goal or two at the most, the Rangers are going to like their chances as well. But I think the Penguins, um, not necessarily throwing a seed of doubt in his mind, but they put a huge um, see the positivity in their mind that okay, this guy, hey, we got to be perfect, but he's human. He's not, he's not like a, a a goalie Megatron or anything that's unbeatable. They, if they execute, they can get the goals and um, they can win the games. Alrighty, that that will do it for for this recap segment. Uh, like I mentioned, we'll obviously have more to talk about during next week's episode. But boy, what! What a first game to ring in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. And what a mailbag to ring in the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I can't remember what the largest mailbag in podcast history is. This might equal or or uh, this might equal or surpass it. We have 11 questions for this week's mailbag. Uh, if you're just finding this podcast for the first time as the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, begin, uh, if you're just finding this as a Penguins fan with whatever podcast platform you're listening to and you'd like to contribute to our weekly mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pensburg podcast Twitter account. Every week we'll send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. And oh boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of participants in this mailbag segment this week. Robbie, like always, uh, you will get question number one here. Question number one comes from longtime podcast listener and question asker Cole Del Vecchio. And it's a simple question, Robbie. Uh, what would you eat in between periods of a triple overtime game? 
Well, for starters, it probably would not be spicy pork and broccoli. Um, that is definitely a meal that you eat when you have no no expectation of getting in the game. And he kind of said that uh, in his post game interview. Louis Domingue did. Uh, so, uh, not spicy pork. Um, I know they've talked about like um, they've had pizzas and anything that's like carbs. So you'd have to probably eat some carbs uh, to get the energy levels up. Uh, so I would probably give some kind of pasta. Again, you're in New York. You can get the best of literally any cuisine you could possibly want delivered uh, to the locker room. You could get the best Italian, the best Chinese, the best Japanese. You could get the best sushi in the world. You could get the best um, burger in the world. You could get the best whatever you wanted. So, But if I had to choose, I'd probably go with something high carb. I would probably choose some uh, some pasta that would be able to be uh, give me some of that energy uh, to keep me going, or pizza as well. Nothing. The spicy would probably not be a good decision for me. Um, if I had to play a hockey game, I would probably that would probably be my post game meal when I'm currently back at the hotel. But I would definitely probably go. I would get some pasta in there, so maybe some garlic bread, uh, anything to get carbs in the system. Because uh, I'm taking into account that you got to have some energy at this point when you're three overtimes deep. I think I remember uh, back when the Penguins were in the Cup in 2008 the first one against the Red Wings in that long overtime in game five that they eventually won. They were hammering down little Caesars uh, in between periods, like two overtime and three overtime. So yeah, I, I definitely get some carbs, probably get some spaghetti pizza is always a good deal, but I would definitely stay away from the spicy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, question number two comes from Brian. Uh, if the Pens don't win the Cup, what other team or teams are you rooting for would like to see win? It's the Canes for me. Would love to see Stahl win another. Still one of my favorite players of all time. I absolutely agree with you, Brian. I, I would love to see Jordan Stahl finally uh, get a, a Stanley Cup uh, with the team that he's been with for so long after departing the, the Penguins. For me, uh, probably... The Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I love watching how how much young, fast, skilled talent they have. Uh, it seems like the the years and years and years they had to to rebuild and and, and stockpile draft picks has finally uh, turned in their favor. Uh, their their front office and general manager is one of the best in the league. Uh, they obviously take advanced metrics into account when, when building their roster from filling out their roster. So the, the youth, the speed and skill of, of Colorado is, is definitely one of the things that I would be uh, rooting for. I don't know if I'd be rooting for anyone else in the East. Uh, probably just, I'd probably just stay out West. So I guess my, my default answer there would be Carolina. Can, can they, or not Carolina, uh, Colorado. Can Colorado uh, finally come through? They've been, projected for a couple of years now to finally make that leap. Uh, we'll see if this is the year that they're able to do it, if uh, Colorado can can uh, bring one back and, and win another Stanley Cup for their city. Because I think they're going to be a very good team for a, a very long time if they manage their, their players correctly, manage the salary cap correctly. They have a ton of world-class players to build around. So it's definitely, that's definitely my team that, I, that I'm looking for uh, if the Penguins get eliminated. Question number three for you, Robbie, also comes from Brian. Is anyone else rooting for the Washington Capitals to bounce the Florida Panthers in the first round? They are a scary team. Never in my life would I think to be rooting for the Washington Capitals. Life is odd. No. Uh, <laughs> never. Sorry. Um, no. Uh, I, I They say they are a scary team. I'm assuming he means the Panthers are a I scary would imagine. team. Because yeah. um, Washington, I, I mean, they're good. They're not – I mean, they finished the season absolutely dreadfully. They had – the Penguins gave them multiple opportunities to 
get the matchup the Penguins currently have with the the Rangers, which is I definitely a more favorable matchup for either team. Uh, but uh, no, never. Uh, um, plus, I mean, if we go back to the question before that, Florida is one of the teams that I mean, if it came down to it, I would absolutely cheer for Florida because uh, again, they're fun. They have just absurd amount of skill. Um, they're a fun team. Um, they've never, I mean, they've won to one cup final, uh, in their history. So I'm not, yeah, they would be a team that I would definitely pull for. So, um, no, I would not cheer for them if it meant a, uh, easier path to the Penguins simply because I would rather lose to the Panthers than lose to the Capitals. If it ever came down to that, um, losing the caps in 2018 was not fun, even though the Penguins were coming up back to back cups. Uh, so I would much rather lose to the Panthers than, uh, the Capitals. So no, I would not cheer for, uh, the Capitals under basically any circumstances. And there's really just going through my head. I, I'd maybe like begrudgingly accept a Capitals win if it was over like the Rangers and Flyers. But I mean, for the most part, um, the Capitals would be very low on my list of teams that, um, I'd ever want to see win a playoff series. So that's good for Brian that he's cheering for the, uh, the Capitals, but, uh, I, cannot do that. I've been doing this penguin fan thing for way too long. I know the history. I'm not that Brian, that's not to take anything away from Brian. That is not something that, um, uh, I, I could ever bring myself to doing at least not, uh, in an enthusiastic manner. Um, so to each their own, but it's a hard no, uh, from me, uh, on that question, uh, as to rooting for the Washington capitals. Number four from Brendan. If the Penguins only sign one of Latang or Malkin, uh, please both, he says. Which one do you think it will be, and which one do you hope if they differ? I was just having this conversation uh, a couple of days ago with my dad, thinking about it, because everyone on social media leading up to game number one, they all kept posting what felt like eulogies, uh, this being the the last ride, as everyone wants to coin it, of Malkin, Crosby, and Latang. With, with obviously, we 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 know that Malkin and Latang uh, are on expiring contracts. So, I asked my dad, and I said, "What do you think? What makes the most sense? Uh, are are both likely to come back, or which one between the two does come back?" And I put some thought into it. I don't know if Sidney Crosby would like to lose either of them. And I, I told my dad, I said. Sidney Crosby has never been one to at least publicly uh, flaunt his star power around. Uh, he's never been one to be outspoken and demand things from the front office. Now, whether he does that behind closed doors, obviously we don't know. But these are the two players uh, outside of Marc-Andre Fleury and maybe the likes of Chris Kunitz and Pascal Dupuis to a lesser extent, who are obviously both retired now. Uh, these are the two players that he's played with for the entirety of his career, uh, all three of these players are genuinely best friends with one another. I obviously, as a Penguin fan, don't want to see either one leave. At the end of the day, this is a business. We we all know the Penguins are up against the salary cap. However, we've also mentioned that there are ways that the Penguins can uh, lessen the salary cap burden and and probably fit both Latang and Malkin under the salary cap for the foreseeable future. Uh, that's a conversation down the road. If I had to say between the two, which one is more likely to come back, I'd say Malkin, only because Malkin has gone on record saying that he would take a hometown discount. He currently makes $9.5 million against the cap. Uh, if rumors are to be believed and he would accept something in the neighborhood of $7.5 million, that's a, a, a two uh, $2 million dollar uh, $2 million less than what he currently makes. Uh, Chris Letang and his representatives are rumored to want a, a five-year deal uh, with a, a, a rather significant pay raise than what he currently makes right now. And can you blame Chris Letang uh, for playing the way he is at age 35? And I think we have a question about it later in the mailbag. But uh, to play 46 minutes of ice time at 35 years old and not slow down is incredible. Um, but I digress. I think Malkin would be the one more likely to come back, but I agree that, uh, I, I agree that both of them, I do want both of them to come back and, and both all three of the players, Crosby, Malkin and Latang, 
to finish out their journey together when they all started together. Question number five, also from Brendan. How is it that some NHL rinks get away with the no widening of their bench enough to fit the extra goalie? And Robbie, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Louis Domingue, the, the way the, the, any, the Madison Square Garden is configured, he's sitting by himself. And the refs be like, all right, you got to get ready. And he's like, what? But go ahead, Robbie, take it away. What can you tell us about this odd construction of NHL arenas? Uh, they're old. Uh, that's basically the, the bottom line. Um, again, when these uh, MSG was opened in 68, uh, if you ever if you remember the days of Mellon Arena, the goalies sat uh, away from their teams as well. So it's definitely an old an old building, the sides of buildings, the benches. Uh, I don't know the full explanation. I'm assuming it has something to do with they probably didn't have as many players on rosters back uh, when these buildings were built. Um, and it might not be conducive to the makeup of the arena to, I, I know it sounds like not a lot of space uh, to add on, but some of these buildings, especially in like uh, MSG is a little bit different, I guess, because it's a multi-sport uh, facility between basketball and, um, and hockey and stuff moves around. But at the end of the day, the boards and the ranks they have are only a certain size. Um, there's only so much space that even adding a little bit of space might not be, unnecessarily feasible so it's yeah it's an old if you look at old arenas there's not as many in uh the league anymore um uh the, those arenas have kind of uh obviously been replaced um i'm trying to think off top even like td garden the old boston garden i'm assuming you probably had goalies sitting away from each other uh the joe i cannot remember if the goalies had to sit apart uh at joe's arena um I, I, there's really, I'm just racking my head going through the arenas really quickly here. I don't think there's too many anymore that um, you have to sit away. Um, I know that it's like, I don't know if it's a requirement by the NHL, but if a new arena is built or completely refabbed inside, that's one of the things they do. Um, if they're ripping stuff out, I know like obviously Seattle, Vegas, those arenas are both um, are going to, the goalies going to be able to sit there. I'm just, just going through my head real quick. There's nothing that I can think of where, um, the goalies at part, at least know where the Penguins play uh, more frequently than maybe a team out west that has an old building. But next year in Arizona, when they go to play for at a local college rink, um, the players may have to sit away from each other. Um, so who knows how that's going to work out. But um, no, it's mostly an age thing in these, some of these buildings. That's really what, how they were designed when they originally built. Um, and obviously, I don't think MSG is going anywhere. I think that's pretty obvious that um, it's one of the cathedrals of sports um, arena-wise, so I think that um, it'll be around for a good long while, and um, we'll just have to, um, the goalies will have to put up with that. Um, question number six, again from Brendan. Uh, would you ever eat spicy pork if you knew there was a chance, even a small chance, that you would have to do splits in the coming hours? Absolutely, positively no. Uh, and Robbie, I think you mentioned it earlier yourself. Uh, the spicy pork would not be not be my go-to uh, intermission meal uh, to fill me up and, and give me that energy. Uh, boy, I was reading this question last night, putting the, the, the mailbag together, and I, I got a chuckle out of it because, I mean, put the equation together in your head. Spicy pork plus splits. Uh, might might not have the most favorable or desirable results, even as a well-trained professional athlete. So absolutely, absolutely not. I would not be eating spicy pork. Uh, like Robbie said earlier, uh, give me some spaghetti or some pizza, uh, something that is not spicy, because that would absolutely wreck my stomach. <clears throat> Question number seven for you, Robbie, also comes from Brendan. Uh, I gave this one to you, Robbie, because... Uh, I'm not a, a big beer drinker. I don't know if you are, but uh, we'll give it a shot anyway. Best local brewer from Pittsburgh and your favorite of their selection. Um, we answered a question like this or kind of like this a couple weeks ago. Um, somebody was asking for some like recs for Pittsburgh area and stuff like that. Um, I'm not a huge beer drinker. I do enjoy the occasional uh, brew myself, but 
Um, I'm not exactly the best person to ask for this question. Um, I definitely don't really remember names of individual beers um, unless I see them like in front of me. Uh, then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I've had that before. I'll have that again. Um, so I can't give uh, necessarily a individual beer recommendation, but uh, Southern Tier down in Pittsburgh is a, a very good um, uh, very good brewery. If you're in the area, they have a full-on restaurant at um, on the North Shore by in between uh, PNC Park and uh, Heinz Field, if you're ever down that way. Um, so I do recommend them. They have really good beer. They have really good food um, as well. So um, individual beers, I'll try about anything. Uh, I'm not a huge um, uh, beer connoisseur like some people. There's definitely people that we could probably invite on to answer uh, this question. They'd spend the entire episode just giving beer recs. But, um, no, I mean, if you're ever in the area, Southern Tier uh, down on the North Shore uh, has really good beer, really good food. So stop in there uh, sometime if you are uh, looking for um, uh, something to drink or bite to eat. All right, question number, I believe we're on eight now. Um, how are you, how impressed are you that a 35-year-old Latang was able to log all those minutes in game one and not slow down? Yeah, it's absolutely absurd the conditioning Chris Latang has, not to mention the other ailments that he's gone through throughout his professional career, suffering a stroke. Uh, it's he played 46 minutes and 41 seconds, almost six minutes of power play time, uh, almost 60 shifts he put in in game number one. And Robbie, I'll flip the script and I'll ask you a question here. Uh, and we talked about it a, a couple of questions before between the likelihood of Malkin and Latang staying. Who, Robbie, who can who can who can replace that production? Who can play? 46 minutes and 41 seconds on a top pair getting top power play time and still be incredibly productive, still be relied upon as your team's best defenseman. Who do the Penguins have in their in their farm system or on their NHL roster that can even come close to replicating the on-ice production that Latang gives you? I, I don't – there is nobody, Robbie. There can't, there can't be anybody, surely. No, I mean, and that's not even the system or uh, or anything like that. There's not really anybody else in the NHL that can do that uh, to the point that he does. That's why he's going to command a huge market, even his age. And that's why you have to hope that maybe you can talk him into a, a, um, um, a hometown discount. But I will say, should the Penguins go on a Stanley Cup run, I think – in a way, I'm much more much more at ease with the idea of letting him go because you have four cups in this era that's unprecedented. You have, I mean, at that point, I, I wouldn't say I'd want him to leave, but I would not necessarily, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt me as much. Because if they don't, I mean, the key to them winning another cup after this is going to be Chris Letang being on this team. Because there's just nobody, I mean, there's great defensemen in the NHL. Chris Letang's never going to be a guy that scores like Josie or Makar at this point in his career. But there's nobody that can give you that kind of time at that age and what he's meant to the Penguins. There's nobody in the system. There's not going to be another free agent defenseman on the market this year. That's why defenseman command your top tier top line defenseman command such a high price is because they do stuff that is so rare in the NHL these days. Roman Yossi would get paid like whatever your max contract is. If he hit the market tomorrow, so would Kale McCarr. So would probably Victor Hedman. Um, at one time, Shea Weber was that guy. At one time, Alex Petrangelo was that guy. There is, I mean, there's 32 teams in the league, and there's probably maybe 10 defensemen in the NHL that would command what Chris Letang is going to command on the open market. And that's just how special of a player he is. You can have people that go around and personally will say they chronicle um, every bad thing that Chris Letang does and point it out. Um, like they have some kind of vendetta against him when in reality, when Crystal Tang retires, um, and I wrote about this like two or three years ago, 
that number needs to be in the rafters. He will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he's going to go down as an all-time Penguins legend. And because what he does is just so important. There's just a handful of guys that can do what he does, even at 35. So he's going to demand a high price. Um, what he did on on uh, Tuesday night, like obviously when you see the numbers, it makes your jaw drop. But at the same time, it's almost been expected from him at this point. I see what you did there. I see. I, I heard what you kind of put in there. Someone. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone uh, chronicling uh, some 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 negative things uh, about Chris Letang. Uh, don't think that went past me. That might go past <laughs> some people listening to this, but uh, don't think don't think I'm going to let that slip by this one. <laughs> um, question uh, question number nine for you, Robbie, uh, comes from Brian. Uh, what's the point of plus minus? Seems like a useless stat, if I do say so myself. Yeah, anymore it kind of is. It was obvious. It was really big back in. Oh man, um, really, even not that long ago, it was still a very um, worthwhile site. You don't hear about it as much anymore. I don't even know if the NHL, for the longest time on their website, the NHL would list along the league leaders their plus minus leader. I honestly don't even know if that's up there anymore. I think it's just points, goals, uh, rookies, and goalies. Uh, I really don't think they put plus minus up there uh, anymore. You have to navigate it to yourself to find it. And the the matter of fact, it's like. Even 10 years ago, you heard it all over NHL broadcast. You don't even hear like your old time, uh, your old time color guys, your old time play by color guys very rarely mention it uh, anymore because it's basically, I mean, if you know how it works, if you're on the ice for a goal at even strength, you get a plus. If you're on the ice for a goal against at even strength, you're a plus. If you're on the ice for a shorthanded goal for, you get a plus if you're on the ice for a shorthanded goal against, you get a minus, and there's nothing for power plays. If you score in the power play or if you give a power play goal, that doesn't count. Um, so um, it basically it was just who was on the ice. I mean, if the higher the number, the more times you're on the ice for um, uh, uh, for a goal. But, again, it, I mean, you could be skating off, the be- off on a line change, and you could have one foot in the bench, and if the goal goes in on the other end of the ice, you would get a plus or a minus. Uh, and the same thing with if you're stepping on the ice, you're barely like across the red line, and a goal a goal was scored while you were making the change, you got a plus or a minus. So it's just an antiquated stat. It it's really to the point now where um, it isn't used anymore. Obviously, like your really good teams, Crosby's a really high plus minus every year. So is Malkin for the most part. Um, it hurts your offensemen more than anything because they're on the ice more. But, I mean, for the most part, it was just used back in the, a different era of hockey to kind of show who was on the ice, um, when, for goals against or goals for. But with analytics and everything, it's become basically just a um, uh, it, basically a useless stat at this point. Uh, number 10, and I cannot say that this person's ever asked a question. His name, as listed, is Snail like the insect, uh, was Domingue wearing a diaper after the spicy pork and broccoli? And I have a feeling we're going to be talking about spicy pork and broccoli for years. Oh, absolutely. So the spicy pork and broccoli, I mean, it's going to, you know what, Robbie, I wouldn't be surprised if it's on like five or six different t-shirts in the strip district right now with some really bootleg Louis Domingue merch, Louis Domingue (laughs) illustration spicy pork and broccoli it's almost like the the 15 minutes of fame uh devil and duck hodges got if you're a pittsburgh Steelers fan listening to this uh and they were just talking about him on the radio a couple of days ago uh he retired from professional football but i remember he had his 15 minutes of fame and there were there were shirts of duck all over the the strip district uh, portion of Pittsburgh, if you don't know uh, the place that I'm referring to, uh, but absolutely, he there has to be some merch down there right now. Uh, was he wearing a diaper uh, after the spicy pork and broccoli? Uh, I I hope so because uh, <laughs> you know if 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 something uh, something bad happens down under, you know you're you're going to have to weather that storm. If you're not wearing a diaper, you're probably going to have to weather that storm for the rest of the game. So let's say you have an accident down there. Uh, boy, that would just add to the legend that now is Louis Domingue. If he, uh, well, let's just say if he pooped his pants and had to play the rest of that game 
with some soiled goalie gear that would uh, that would have only increased the legend that has now become uh, Louis Domingue. But uh, yeah, I hope he was wearing a diaper for sure. All right, Robbie, question number 11. This is the last question of the mailbag, last question of this show. Question 11 comes from, I believe it's Ethan Eli or Ethan Ellie. Uh, who would you like to see rise up as a key piece throughout the playoffs? Whatever warm body they put in goal. Whether that's Casey Smith, <laughs> Louis Domingue, Tristan Jari, Alex Diorio, any of them, because that's going to be the most important position. The ghost um, of Tom Barrasso. The ghost of Tom Barrasso, the ghost of Johan Hedberg, um, Mark Andre Fleury, uh, just traveling between Minnesota and uh, Pittsburgh. Um, literally a warm body. Jeff Zatkoff, for all I care. Um, no, in all seriousness, I'll give you a forward and a defenseman. Forward, I want to say Jason Zucker, um, because it feels like we've been waiting forever. And boy, oh boy, if he would leave this summer, what a way to do it by being the Penguins' playoff hero. Um, um, I think an obvious answer is Kasperi Kapanen um, as well, but I'm going to go with Jason Zucker because I have more faith in Zucker to find a scoring touch. Um, and then defensively, I'm going to say the guy that got the primary assist on the winning goal uh, in overtime, that's John Marino. Uh, John Marino played a really good game up and down here. Defensively pretty okay, but... Um, if Crystal Tang does leave, there's going to be a lot of pressure on John Marino. And he played a really good game in game one. So if he can step up and give uh, a good offensive showing, um, that would be um, absolutely perfect for the Penguins. And I'll give you a honorable mention, and that's Brian Dumoulin. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but it felt like the entire year he's been on, on the downside. So him finding... Uh, his groove in these couple weeks would be absolutely paramount to the Penguins' uh, long-term success in these playoffs. So I'll go with, uh, offensively, um, Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen. Defensively, John Marino uh, and Brian Newman, And then whatever warm body can stay healthy for more than 60 minutes in goal. I concur. I concur. That's a great way to put a wrap on this week's mailbag segment. Uh, that's a great way to wrap up this edition of the Pensburg podcast. Boy, Robbie, it is quite the beginning, quite the start to this journey for Lord Stanley's Cup. We hypothesize and talk about it all season long, all of these episodes that we've done since the season started back in October of last year to get to where we are now, even if it is just the beginning of this journey that hopefully goes well into June and possibly early July uh, these are the moments and the memories that you were already making. Uh, triple overtime victory with a with a third string goaltender in Louis Domingue with some spicy pork and broccoli th thrown in there for good measure. But uh, that will do it for this episode of the Pensburg Podcast. We will be back next week uh, to talk about uh, some more game action between the Penguins and Rangers and their first round matchup. For Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Behanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will talk to you all this time next week. <laughs>